Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guests. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. I compute and obey. Now, to Dave Hooker. I don't usually begin the show with what I got in my email, but this one's from the University of Tennessee. So I'm going to go ahead and share uh, an email moment here with you. And this is from the University of Tennessee Sports Information Department. And I know a lot of you like to keep track of how many days until actual kickoff. Maybe Caleb and I are a little bit different because we count down SEC media days as we broadcast live from last week. We also count down the beginning of fall camp. So here we go. I got the email just moments ago. Tennessee's football media day will be Tuesday, August the 1st, which is in about six days, depending on where you're when you're watching this. Josh Heupel will be available. Tim Banks will be available. Joey Halsey Halsley will be available, the defensive and offensive coordinator, respectively, and select players as well. So we will have coverage of that, but bam, here we are. Less than a week away, and I know practice will begin the very next day. So this is a very good time to be a Tennessee or SEC football fan. Let the other countdown begin because it is here. 
practice is set. Caleb Calhoun, how are you this morning as we've got a lot to get to? Why suddenly people are giving even more respect to Neyland Stadium, one of the toughest venues in sports, will be one of the toughest actual hosts for a game, according to our friend, I believe it was a Brad Crawford at 247. So what will be the toughest home venues this year? Also, Joe Milton, a Heisman candidate. Is that for real? We wouldn't have said that about Hendon Hooker a year ago. The top 10 stars that the Vols will have to face in the SEC. And then this Jim Harbaugh situation. There are so many parallels you can draw. He's going to be suspended for four games for lying to the NCAA. Sounds a lot like a guy named Bruce Pearl. We'll dive in. NIL proposed legislation that I can go ahead and tell you, Caleb, and I don't really like. How are you, Caleb Calhoun? I am doing good. It's funny, you know, when I was young, it was always bittersweet. School. Was young, you're, you're, you're 32 now. Are you 34? I'm talking, about, I'm talking about high school. I'm talking about high school. Okay. So when I was young, I did not like football season starting because it meant school started. Now there is, now it doesn't matter. School, there is no school. So I don't care. Yeah. And it's kind of like spring when you go into summer, there is no summer break. So, it's kind of the same thing. You don't get as excited about the summer. I was always a little bit jealous of my mom, who was a teacher. And uh, I, I was like, uh, so when do you have to go back to work? Now, my, my mom was one of the teachers that cared about the students. She wasn't one that just signed up for the um, the fall, the summer break and the, the extended vacations you get. But I, I tell you what, it, it is... Um, it would be nice to be a teacher and have three months off. She taught a lot of the times in the interim, but I'll tell you what, it, um, yeah, it would be nice to have three months off as a teacher. That would be pretty cool. It would, but those six, those nine months you're working are brutal as you probably know, because of your mom, oh, yeah. it's like they are. Yeah. They, it's... And, you get, and when you, when you factor it out, you get paid, I think about $11 an hour when you really factor it out. So I just want to go ahead and say all the teachers deserve more money. I feel the same way about a lot of our civil servants, especially I've got a lot of uh, uh, firemen that work out at my gym, way stronger than me, by the way. But uh, I'm like, you guys deserve more money. There's an, you know, I might have to break down a Tennessee Alabama game one weekend. They might have to run into a burning building. So there's a lot of civil servants that deserve more money than us. And maybe we can start that. Maybe that is our, our, our new uh, cause, our new purpose, because we've got a lot of things going on. Also, this is super cool. Had a visit with TriStar uh, Apparel, which has a little three-star that uh, it looks American, but it's off the Tennessee flag. We're going to start working with them. So you've got an opportunity to get some fantastic merch at a great price. So a lot going on, but first it's time for what the H and that's brought to you by Andy Mason of Andy Mason, real estate.com is Neyland stadium going to be the loudest in the nation come 2023. What the H what the what was he thinking? Release the house. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Support our advertisers. It keeps us around. And in this case, it'll save you a lot of money and you'll get the best service in the biz. Andy Mason, real estate.com. About 40 years of experience in that office. Andy Mason, real estate.com. 
go ahead and go to that website, sign up, get a consultation. You'll be glad you did. Best service, best price in the biz there in East Tennessee. So, according to 247 and Brad Crawford, who we like quite a bit, the most daunting home atmosphere should be Tennessee, Georgia. Otherwise, Brad, I might argue with you if this game were to be played in October. However, this game, Caleb, is a little bit different. So, raucous, you would think so. As long as Tennessee holds up their end of the deal, maybe have one loss uh, heading into the game. But Georgia undefeated, that's kind of how you would predict it would play out. Yes, it will be the biggest game most anticipated at Neyland Stadium in quite some time. Now, I'm not looking in retrospect, Caleb, because they won the Alabama game. They won the Florida game. But as far as a game in Neyland Stadium that there's been more anticipation for and will be if these two teams hold up their end of the bargain, you give me one besides Florida in the 90s and early 2000 because I ain't got one. No, it's not even close, and it's bigger than Florida in the 90s and 2000s because it'll be in November. Tennessee right. has played Tennessee has played bigger games in November. Maybe. I don't know. Debatable. They've played maybe bigger games overall as regular season games. They've not played regular season games of this potential magnitude this late in November because they were usually playing Vanderbilt, Kentucky. Now, historically, there were moments where Vanderbilt, Kentucky were big deals. Okay, but college football wasn't as big in 1950 as it is now. It just wasn't. So it's not going to have – and Neyland Stadium did not have 100,000 seats in the 1950s like it does now. The only comparable game as a home game for Tennessee that we could ever remember was that 98 Tennessee-Arkansas game where both teams were undefeated. It was the latest at the time two SEC teams had been undefeated. But, Dave, let's be honest. You were covering the team at that time. Until the game itself happened, I think everybody thought Arkansas's undefeated record was a fluke. They didn't really consider Arkansas a top 10, top 5 caliber team, right? You know, this sounds insane, but I felt like a lot of people going into that game felt like that Tennessee's luck had run out. I can remember the day of that game, getting the credential and having a conversation with a guy who still covers Tennessee. And and we said, we just have this weird feeling that Tennessee's luck's going to run out because – Luck or good fortune, because the players hate it when I say luck. They certainly had that at Syracuse with the pass interference penalty. That was a pass interference penalty. Uh, They had some key turnovers that they forced against Florida. And no, to be honest with you, when I go back to that game, I remember that morning specifically, and I thought there was a good chance Arkansas would slip up and beat Tennessee. Um, so I, I felt like it was highly, highly regarded. Now, this is different. This is Georgia on November the 18th, where all you've got is Vanderbilt left. So even if you lose to Alabama earlier in the season, you've still got a college football playoff uh, berth to play for. You might have a Heisman Trophy, which we're going to get into with Joe Milton a little bit later. So de- it's the, definitely the biggest since then. But if both teams go in with one loss – I actually think it's bigger than Arkansas because I think there are two factions. Most people thought Tennessee would roll over Arkansas, but there were a few that are like, maybe this team, their their luck has run out. So but I think this is the biggest since that one and might be bigger as long as both teams roll in with a combined one loss. 
Oh, yeah, it's absolutely bigger, largely because it's a divisional game, too. It didn't at the time, the Arkansas game, it didn't matter if Tennessee lost. They were still going to Atlanta, whereas this game could decide who goes to Atlanta. And Arkansas was more you're right. There were there may have been a fear that they would slip up, but a loss would have still been a slip up because no one considered Arkansas a top five national title contending caliber team, even though they were undefeated. Everybody thinks that was probably the best year in the past 50 years of Arkansas football without doing my research. You're right. Yeah, exactly. And everybody considers Georgia not just a national title contending team, but the team to beat to win the national title. So we're talking about, and it's a divisional game, it's a much greater magnitude, and just for good measure, it's two weeks later in the season than the November game, the Arkansas game was. So I think that, I think the magnitude of this November game, we haven't, we have never seen Neyland Stadium like this ever. You might have seen the closest to it, Dave, for maybe – were you there in that 1990 Notre Dame game? Didn't you tell me you went to that one? I, I went to that as a fan. My stepdad, who I loved to death, but I, I I didn't love at the time because I was just mad because he was dating my mom. So, um, you know, you don't like whoever's dating your mom. But uh, as an olive branch, he took me to that game. That won him a lot of points. We were, we were in I, – I remember we were in the – the U section, I think it was, I can't remember which end zone. I want to say the South, but it, it was like watching the all 22. And that's when I realized they didn't want tickets on the sideline anymore, that I wanted tickets where I could see the all 22. I remember uh, rocket hitting a little toss sweep and thinking he's going to get tackled. He's going to get tackled. No, he's not. And he's gone. And it was just, that was Rahib Ismail. I mean, that team, there that was, was more loaded. talent. I, I mean, other than, the Miami games, when, when they played Tennessee down there or up here in the 2000s, that's the most collection of talent that I've seen on a field between one teams ever. So a couple of people, to get back to Arkansas, um, Travis said, I was at the Arkansas game and I 100% thought we would uh, dog walk them. And Tennessee probably should have. They were a better football team. I don't think there's any question about that. But Arkansas, I thought, played Tennessee incredibly well. And we get to some of that in the celebrate 98 series and some of the things that they were, they were able to do and they were smart about it. They, they slowed the game down, but ultimately you have that Clint Sterner fumble, but this will be bigger. Tennessee, Georgia will be bigger than Tennessee, Arkansas, 1998, assuming both teams go in with a combined one win or even maybe a combined two wins because at two, let's say Tennessee has two wins or two losses two losses. Me, two yeah. losses you could still play your way into a college football playoff theoretically if you beat georgia now let's Alice, you got to the bcs national title game with two losses yeah uh yeah and you could still by the way hit that like and subscribe button so we can bring more people in we greatly appreciate that so and the flip side too is uh georgia uh, and tennessee could both potentially have a loss so then you're playing for not only the SEC championship game, you're playing for a possible college football playoff because there's going to be a team that's going to get in it uh, at some point in the SEC with just one loss, maybe even two. Now, some of the other games that Brad had listed as far as monstrous games, how close are they? I'm going to run down the top five. Uh, Florida, LSU, I'm sorry, this doesn't compare to me because I love this rivalry because of the talent on the field. It's a game I go out of my way to watch, but this is not uh, th th this is not to me of the same ilk of 
Georgia or Florida. What say you? Oh, I absolutely agree. If Alabama were visiting LSU this year, I would have that above them because it's a November game in Baton Rouge. But since LSU has to play Alabama on the road, I don't really think LSU has a game that would have the magnitude of Tennessee-Georgia. So I don't think it's – I mean, Auburn, Texas A&M, I mean, what do you think? I don't, Dave, I don't think either of those – I think the bottom is going to fall out of Texas A&M, and I just don't think Auburn's going to be at a level where they can compete yet. So I just don't think it's going to have the same magnitude. Agreed. Uh, so uh, Jordan Hare for Alabama-Auburn. Um, that's always a big game. I don't think that's a great surprise. Um, and then you have Ohio State-Michigan, which is number four. So Michigan would be the toughest place to play in that. That's place. not top 25. Brad's totally wrong on that. The big house is never one of the 100 loudest stadiums for a game in a year. <laughs> I agree with that. I agree with that. If that was at Ohio State, I think we'd be having a different conversation because that game is always big. And we'll get to Jim Harbaugh's suspension to round out the top five. Beaver Stadium for Michigan-Penn State. Ugh. And then you get Tennessee back on the list, uh, the swamp for Tennessee, Florida, as one of the most hostile places, uh, the loudest stadiums. There's no question about it. That's going to be – listen, we, we talk about how Tennessee handled Florida and it was a Hail Mary and they almost got back into it. Well, here's the way they view it. They view it as, as our guys, Florida, almost beat Tennessee – on the road were one pass away. So revenge game, absolutely no question about it. A huge, huge revenge game. Absolutely. And they could actually say, even though I, you and I disagree, I actually agree with Billy Napier's decisions to do it. They could say that had Billy Napier not gone for two, those two times when they scored, Florida could have sent that game into overtime after recovering that onside kick. And so they, they were to them, they were closer than it even looks. So yeah, I think that, they're definitely going to be rocking. And Florida really wants to prove that they've taken a next step. For Florida, it comes down to this, though. You know, they have those early se- – Florida's got a brutal early start to the schedule. What will their record be when they face Tennessee? I mean, that's the real question in this one. Yeah, and Mr. Jones had a point. AR is gone. Anthony Richardson is gone. And I don't think he was a great college quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. But you don't know him early in the season. How do you prepare for him? So I think that was challenging for Tennessee. I think they would have done a lot more of the muddle rushing, as I call it, to prevent him from getting outside. They talked about that early in the week, but really they didn't accomplish that goal. So I think Anthony Richardson last year, even though he wasn't a great college quarterback, Caleb, was incredibly tough to prepare for in September. Would you agree with that? Yeah, but here's the thing. I always feel like what, I always feel like the schematic coach has the advantage. Or, and you tell me, Dave. I feel like the schematic coach has the advantage over the coach with Jimmy's and Joe's early in the season. Am I right about that? It depends depends where the Jimmy's and Joe's are. If the Jimmy's and Joe's are on defense, I'll take the Jimmy's and Joe's. But I I see where you're going. If they're on offense, then I'll take the schematic coach. Because the reason I say that is, for years, Tennessee fans, and you hear Fred White say this, they always say, you know, if we could have just played Florida later in the year. And the reason I always felt was because Tennessee had the better players. Florida just had the schematic advantage with Spurrier. Whereas, okay, maybe they could have figured out Florida's tendencies a little bit more and their own tendencies a little bit more had they played them later in the year. You and I may differ, and please don't tell Fred this, but uh, I don't think there were many years where Tennessee was actually more talented. I think as talented as what Tennessee was shooting for 
the NFL tells a different story, though. Okay. Tennessee loaded the NFL way more than Florida during the 90s. Well, okay, well, let's do that tomorrow. How about that's on tomorrow? Because uh, Joe Milton, the third Esquire Jr., um, he is uh, suddenly a dark horse Heisman candidate. So here we go. Nothing like winning the Heisman in July. Hey now. Let's go ahead and get to four downs. Four downs is all about uh, Joe Milton potentially winning the Heisman. Take me to pro football focus, who I would say is my favorite because I think they do use scouts. I don't think they're right all the time. I think they've gotten a little bit bloated. But for the most part, the guys that ride at pro football focus that know ball, I like the most. And why do they have Joe Milton as the SEC's dark horse Heisman candidate? And who else might be mentioned as we change gears and we'll get to four downs brought to you by Zen Sports here momentarily. Tell me why Joe Milton's on this list. So Joe Milton, PFF, for those who don't know, is a numbers-oriented site more than anything else. It can be flawed and can be skewed because it's numbers-based. Particularly, they use certain types of numbers to judge offensive linemen. And that's, Dave, you know more than I do. Offensive line, more than any other position, you need you need to use the eye test. You can't really use numbers with offensive line. But you you can at quarterback, and they're just bringing up they're just bringing up the fact that look, he threw for 971 yards and 10 touchdowns last year, averaged an 11.8 yards per pass, led to a 86.1 PFF grade on 91 dropbacks, which is just an insanely good PFF number overall if you break all of that down. So they're just looking at those numbers. They're looking at Josh Heupel's system. They're looking at the fact that he's taking over, and they're like. I mean, the real question in PFS mind would be, how is he even a dark horse at this point? Interesting. I think he's much more of a dark horse to be a top five pick than win the Heisman because yes. of the the tangibles, the Anthony Richardson factor, which there have been other guys that have been able to do that. So let's go four but down. Playing, but playing Georgia in November helps because, again. Oh, amen. He- amen. To circle back, yeah, no. No question. Playing Georgia helps. Yeah, I really hadn't thought about that till you brought it up just a couple of weeks ago. Playing Kentucky and Vanderbilt in November is all but a sledgehammer to your Heisman hopes. I mean, it just doesn't matter what you do. You can go 23 of 26, throw for 330 yards, and they're like, it's Kentucky. Back in the day, not now. It's Vanderbilt. Still. And just for, just for a quick stat on that before you go to four downs. Peyton Manning's best game statistically was against Kentucky in 97. Remember that 523 yards, five touchdowns? His Heisman stock fell that day. Yeah. (laughs) I like the fact that Tennessee's ending it with a more important game. And trust me, as a, from a reporter's perspective, there have been times where you're just kind of stumbling through the season, hit that like button, please subscribe. And by the way, what does, um, Joe Milton be a Heisman, being a Heisman candidate mean for I'm joking. That was for you, Travis. I'm not going there. It is four downs and it is now on off the hooks. It means nothing for Nico because Joe's going to be fine and he's going to play really, really well. I think even Travis will agree that I've come around in six months and uh, I'm now a big Joe guy. As a, and I enjoyed the interview that I did with him uh, over the uh, SEC media days. If you didn't get to hear about that, he talked a lot about his uh, grandmother. So it was it was uh, super cool. Here we go. Four Downs is now. It's brought to you by Zen Sports. Four Downs. Four Questions. 
four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Bounds. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Joe Milton, a Heisman candidate. Sounds crazy. Would have sounded crazy 365 ago if we were talking about Hendon Hooker. And Four Downs is brought to you by Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares. On Zen Sports, what you see is what you get with our cash rewards program. You get a lot of cash for a welcome bonus, earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with the code HOOKED. That's right, unlimited 5% cash back. Use the promo code HOOKED. Support our advertisers, and Zen Sports is a great one. Keep betting, keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that, and refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards too. Zen Sports is bringing the cash back to Tennessee, so if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. So here we go. Four downs brought to you by zen sports today and cooper mays is always nice to uh, keep track of the downs for us even though a center doesn't really do that we think that's what makes it funny uh cooper before we get to first down cooper mays here hit like and subscribe thank you coop first down coop here first down is joe milton a heisman candidate yay or nay right now not right now i say nay I say now. Hey now, by Hank Kingsley means I agree with you. So that's first down. Joe, uh, I'm sorry, Coop, let's get to second down. Cooper Mays here. Second down. Will Joe Milton be a Heisman candidate? And by Heisman candidate, I'm not talking get to New York. We'll get to that. But I'm talking be in the conversation of the top six to eight guys like Hendon Hooker was throughout the season. Basically, after they beat Florida, he was somewhat in the conversation. Alabama, that was his Heisman moment. So will he be a Heisman candidate? That's a different question than is he. You see, this is a difficult one to answer because how I answer this question will have everything to do with how I'm predicting Tennessee this year, and I don't like giving away my predictions for the Vols this year. Oh, well, and you're hung up on Nico. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. It's supposedly me. No. That's crazy. I'm telling you right now, Joe Milton will be a Heisman candidate because I don't think a lot of Florida, I think Tennessee gets that win. So you don't win a Heisman trophy in October. It just doesn't happen. But I am telling you that he will be on the list with maybe a plus 1,200 next to him, which would be 12 to 1 odds. He will be on that sort of list. He will not be a cutoff guy that you say plus 2,500. There's no way he can win it. So I think he will be on that list. Coop, what down are we on now? Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down. All right. So answer this question. Joe Milton, and I think I know your answer because I was a little bit surprised by the last one. Joe Milton will be in the conversation for the Heisman in New York or win it? He'll be in the conversation early. He's not going to New York and he's not winning it. Okay, you ready? You ready for this? I'm ready. 
Joe Milton's going to go to New York. Wow. Look at Dave over here. From Joe uh, Milton's going to lose his starting job in January to now Joe uh, Milton's going to be in New York. I, I base, you know me, and I tell you stuff off the record that I can't say publicly. Everything I've heard, everything is going incredibly well. Okay? So barring injury, uh, I think this is a down year quarterbacks in the SEC. Not that you have to take all SEC players to the Heisman ceremony. But I think he's going to have a better season than Spencer Rattler. I think KJ Jefferson will have an as effective season, but very different in terms of he's going to run the football a little bit more. And I think at some point that riders, whether they should or shouldn't look at the SEC and they say, who's the best quarterback. I think Joe Milton might end up being the best quarterback. We'll see what Jaden Daniels does. That to me is the primary competition at LSU. So if you take that leap of faith, if he ends up being the best quarterback in the SEC, then he's probably going to New York, right? Yeah, I mean, I you, you hate to agree with me on this. Why do you hate to agree with me on this one? So, are you saying because I interviewed him last week, funny enough, and he's on our show from last Tuesday? If you guys want to check it out, or I think last Wednesday. But uh, who did I you interview last week? Uh, DJ Shockley at Georgia. Oh, okay, yeah, DJ Shockley. And so, are you saying that Joe Milton could be? DJ Shockley. And what I mean by that is you remember, right, Dave, when DJ Shockley stepped in for David Green in 2005, he was better in 05 than David Green was in any of his other, his four years at Georgia. Like by far, the question actually kind of became how did Mark Rick start David Green over DJ Shockley? Honestly, the previous few years, are you saying that could be Joe Milton and Hendon Hooker? Yes. And I'm saying that for a couple of different reasons. Now, Joe Milton has spent actually more time if you think about it, preparing for the starting role, then Hendon Hooker did. Because two years ago, Joe Milton was being prepared for the starting role. I injuries happen. Hooker played well. Last year, Hooker was being prepared for the starting role. That's one offseason. Joe Milton is being prepared for the starting role for the second offseason, despite what happened in 2021. So I think he's going to be better than advertised. And I think at the end of the year, I will have Joe Milton as my number one quarterback in the sec so i've got to look over at some at what people are saying on the message board for a second because people might think i'm crazy mr jones says joe is winning the heisman and travis says dave finally wearing orange glasses come on in the water's fine that's the thing you should like travis is i don't wear orange glasses but i really believe that will be the case i, I think that Joe Milton will, if I had a bet, $20 right now. I'm not betting my mortgage, Caleb, okay? But if I had to bet my $20, I would say Joe Milton ends up in New York. All right, now this one's interesting, and somebody's already led us into this conversation. What down is it, Coop? All SEC Center, Cooper Mays here, fourth down. Thank you, Coop. Who else will get consideration from the balls for the Heisman Trophy? Now, I am talking about those plus 2,500 guys that may not even make a list. But who at least, because Jalen Hyatt was mentioned, who else? What other player, if any, gets consideration for the Heisman Trophy? Light consideration. I'm not talking November consideration. Don't look at me like that, Caleb. By the way, hit like and subscribe on the YouTube channel. Turn your notifications on, whatever platform you may be on if you're on youtube you can see caleb looking at me like i'm a total idiot but 
No, I what? just have a very, very, very evil thing to say. But okay, what what other player gets Heisman Trophy talk for the Vols? Has to be offense, right? The second most likely player to get Heisman Trophy talk for the Vols would be Nico. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm saying it. it Yes, there's a chance Joe Milton ends up in New York. There's also a chance he loses his starting job to Nico. And if he loses his starting job to Nico, then Nico is in the Heisman race or in the okay. conversation. Okay, well, you, you did a dastardly thing on me. You picked a second stringer. Uh, so <laughs> let me throw these names at you that are on the message board. Uh, you have Ramel Keaton, Brew McCoy. Uh, you also have Squirrel White, Dante Thornton. I thought you would go in that direction. Um, you're right, Rocky Top Tom. If Nico is getting talked, then that means the season. Well, if he's getting Heisman talk. If he's getting Heisman talk, the season is not a disaster. Yeah, it probably means you lost against Florida. You put Nico in, everything's great. But uh, we're not going out of that. Uh, <laughs> says Caleb's still asleep. Uh, no, Caleb's still in heat. I like the way, I like the direction. But if you had to pick among those receivers, because I'm going to go a little bit off script. We know what Tennessee can do from the slot receiver position. And it's probably going to be Dante or it's probably going to be, um, you would think, Squirrel White at that slot receiver position. Now, we got a couple of votes for running backs in Jabari Small and Jalen Wright. I don't think they are transcendental type of running backs that would get that type of um, – that would get that type of pub. I also don't think that they are going to get enough carries per to be in that conversation. I think they want to split things up with Cam Selden as well. So out of the group of receivers, who would you pick? And I'm going to surprise you again. I think it's going to be Brew McCoy. And the ah, reason I think it's. I thought I was going to surprise you again. No, here's why I think it's going to be Brew McCoy. Ramel Keaton is clearly starting on the other side at wideout, but we know that Ramel Keaton is the clear-cut second wideout. Brew McCoy should go to wideout. Agreed? Uh, yeah, he's he's what's called a number one in NFL terms, and that doesn't mean the first guy you look at. That means a guy that dictates coverage. Brew McCoy is the guy who dictates coverage, and coverage will roll towards him, which strengthens and weakens your argument because he may get fewer catches, but he may have a bigger impact on the game. That's, right. that's what scouts tell me. That's that's first scouts, not me. Here's my thing. I would say Squirrel White or Dante Thornton, but I actually am starting to think this kind of just entered my mind. I think Hypo may go a little bit different this year and rotate in the slot between both of them because they're both so good and they both bring such a different dynamic. I think they're like last year, Jalen Hyatt was in the slot just regularly all year. What are the chances, Dave, that Hypo does what he did with Princeton Fant and Jacob Warren, but in the slot alternate Squirrel White and Dante Thornton? It would be a departure from what he's done, but I think it's a wise move. So I'm not going to start questioning him until they have a top 50 offense instead of a top one offense. But yes, I would try to get them both on the field. Travis says Brew is a man amongst children, but it is not our big play guy. But here is my theory. And yes, they could rotate between drives like they did with Princeton Fant and they did with uh, Jacob Warren last year and I believe the year before. Here is my theory on Brew McCoy, Travis, and tell me if I'm crazy. Yes, he's a man among boys, not our big play guy, according to your post. However, 
If I'm a defensive coordinator, I'll tell you one thing. That slot receiver, whether his name is Jalen Hyatt, Squirrel White, Dante Thornton, is never beating me again. I don't care if I have to line a guy up directly on his nose and then I've got a safety over top. Beat me with the outside guy because I want to test Joe Milton and how he can throw outside because I believe he's going to be very good over the middle and I believe he's going to be very good um, with some intermediate short passes. So I'm actually going with Brew because I think that he will have a fantastic season because coordinators are going to say, you're not going to beat me with that slot cat again. I'm just not well, going Dave, Dave, so what, remember, though, that did happen. Last year was a reaction to what happened in 2021 when they got beat so many times on the outside by Hendon Hooker because and, and Cedric Tillman torched them so much. They said, we're not going to let Cedric Tillman beat us on the outside. So or so they sold out to the outside, and that's why Jalen Hyatt was so dominant over the middle last year. Even though Cedric Tillman got hurt, everybody knew that Hendon Hooker could still make those throws with McCoy and Keaton. So you're saying it's going to be it's going to go back to 2021 where they're going to test the outside and go back to covering the slots. Yes, and then you see what they do. And if the slots open, which I, if I'm a defensive coordinator, man, I'm not giving up five touchdowns to Jalen Hot. I'm sorry, I don't care what it takes. <laughs> I mean, I, something's that's not going to happen. That's not the way I'm going to get beat. Uh, that would be my theory. So I think it opens stuff on the outside. But a great point by Travis too. He is a man amongst boys. I actually think that, based off people I've talked to, that he is the the best NFL prospect on this team, regardless of position. That's not to say Joe Milton wouldn't be drafted higher if he's a great quarterback or Nico. But right now, with the guys that are on this football team, regardless of position, I think he is the most NFL-ready quarterback, which means you probably have to lose him in a year. But – I'm going with Brew McCoy. I know that's a bit outside the norm, and it'll probably be a slot receiver, and we'll see. But I'm going with uh, Brew McCoy at this point. And uh, lastly, Jacob, what do people need to do? Because coming up, we've got man, we've got some good stuff. Uh, the top ten SEC stars that the Vols have to face in 2023. Who is the toughest? We'll discuss. Be sure and set your notifications on. But what else should people do, Jacob Warren? What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. He does. Back in two minutes. Sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Dare to compare. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history 
and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry. I'm a jeweler, and we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. When you want a hard cider that's easy to enjoy, one that's crafted to perfection, you need Tennessee Cider Company. Some say it's the signature cider of the South. Others say it's the cure to your craving. They all say you'll savor every sip. With a selection of ciders free to sample, all it takes is one taste. Visit TNCiderCompany.com for more information, as well as to shop our ciders and merchandise online. Thirsty yet? Doors open at 10 a.m. You're listening to The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. Great idea by Caleb Calhoun and the top 10 SEC stars the Vols will have to face in 2023. By the way, refresh website. So let me know what you think of that. You can always email me at davidoffthehooksports.com. I am a man of the people because I am one of the people. So would love to hear your feedback on that. We're pretty pleased with it as uh, we get uh, off and rolling for well, the year two of Off the Hook Sports, but it's um, uh, year one was uh, was interesting. <laughs> so we've got a lot uh, to get to. People are loving Caleb. Look at Rocky Top, Top Tom says, uh, and I'll put it on the message board. Great point, Caleb. I keep saying that coaches' offense changes just a smidgen every year to account for positional talent and full people. And let's be honest, I. I think we all love Dante Thornton and Squirrel White. Uh, maybe me in particular. I'm, I'm a, a very fond of Squirrel based off what I've heard. But Brew McCoy, I believe, is a different level of athlete. And I think that's going to prove when you see that in uh, the NFL. But, um, yeah, the we're discussing whether or not the uh, slot receiver position will still be Tennessee's go-to. That's going to be – uh, fun to watch, and uh, we will determine that, I'd say, fairly early in the season. But I think Josh Heupel is pretty darn good for being able to uh, to to adjust on the fly. So the top 10 players that Tennessee will have to face in 2023. And this From list the SEC is – specifically. In the SEC specifically. And this list is brought to you by Craft Treats. I'll tell you more about that momentarily. So if you were to face, if you were to look at this last year, you'd probably have Stetson Bennett up high. Despite all the knocking, he ended up uh, playing really well in his final year. And I think he answered a lot of questions even before last season. You would have Bryce Young. You would have uh, maybe Will Levis uh, at the time. You may even have Spencer Rattler. It was a very strong quarterback class as far as guys that were going to take the field. Caleb, that is not the case this year. When I look at your list without giving anything away, the top five are 
defensive uh, three are defensive players and one is a tight end before we get into those as far as the top sec stars that tennessee will face in the upcoming 2023 season how different does this list look in just a year don't forget to hit the like and subscribe button it helps us bring more people into the channel but this this list i gotta i gotta look for the acronym qb that's not easy to find yeah it's Look, it's it was really, really hard for me to compile this list because last year was a lot easier when I was doing it. You're right. It was Bryce Young, Stetson Bennett. Um, I, I believe uh, – I think I might have had Malik Neighbors. No, uh, I, I can't even remember. But I, I, was at, I was at another place when I was doing that then, and it was a lot easier for me to compile that list. This list was so, so difficult. And full disclosure – I try to spread it out when it gets a little tight for tiebreakers because I don't want everybody on the list to be a Georgia or Alabama guy. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's, and yeah. it, 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 that, that gets a little bit, that makes it tricky. So I, I went a little communist and spread the wealth a little bit to other teams. But a little, uh, you can't go a little communist. When you go communist, you're all in. Okay, how about uh, socialist? <laughs> okay, yeah, very very socialist list, but I thought appropriate. I mean, again, you could name you could name three Georgia di- players on their defensive front if you wanted to. And uh, so I used let's to think Georgia's whole offensive line is the top five if I wanted to. <laughs> there you go. So what what, what player? Uh, concerns you the most. I don't want to say scares you the most. Go ahead and fill us, uh, fill it in on the message board. And uh, Mr. Jones said stepson Bennett, which reminds me of um, the redheaded stepchild, which I've become aware that I'm not anymore. If you go up and ask somebody my hair color, they say blonde. Caleb, we discussed this on SEC Media Day. So uh, tell me on the message board, is my hair red or blonde, which means white? And uh, let me get your thoughts on that. But in particular, what player concerned you the most? What SEC player concerned you the most on a Tennessee's schedule? So let's start from the top and work our way down. Ania Smith, running back, Texas A&M. Ooh, doesn't jump off the page, but you're right. Yeah, he was hurt last year. And people forget this, but... He had over 500 total yard. He over had over 500 yards rushing his first two years. He had over 800 yards from scrimmage in 2020, and he was a punt return specialist, averaging over 11 yards of punt return, running one back for a touchdown two years ago. If he's fully healthy, I mean, he could be like their Alvin Kamara. So just watch out. All right, linebacker Missouri Tyron in the hopper should have been a first team All SEC guy. 13 and a half tackles for a loss. There's questions about Missouri's defense and their team as a whole, but he is not one of those questions. And he has better hair than Eli Drinkwitz. Uh, Princely Human Milan. I did my best. Florida defensive lineman. You say he should have been preseason first team all SEC. Yeah, I think the best, the best all-around defensive lineman in the SEC. I mean, he's he's I mean he's about 260. But he can line up in the middle if necessary sometimes, and he can play on the end in a 3-4. And, I mean, we're talking nine and a half tackles for loss, two forced fumbles, four and a half sacks. And honestly, Dave, you know this. When you're playing up front, 39 tackles is a lot of tackles. That's right, making so, a lot of plays. No, no doubt. All right, and I love my guy, Caleb, because he goes an offensive lineman from Alabama 
and he respects the offensive line play, which a lot of people his age and that Gen Y or whatever he does, uh, or whatever he is, they, they don't respect that. But J.C. Latham is every bit as important to Alabama as Darnell Wright was last year. I mean, he, he is a guy who's going to be able to open up holes at right tackle. He's going to be able to, you would think, be able to negate some great pass rushers. So, uh, J.C. Latham, kudos to you for picking an offensive lineman at number seven before we get to our first quarterback. Yeah, and J.C. Latham was at SEC Media Days last week, and that speaks a lot about Nick. That, that always says something. When a coach brings an offensive lineman to SEC Media Days, that, that gives you a hint of what they really think of them. Yeah, and I was talking to Scout last year, not to get sidetracked about Darnell Wright, and I was thinking, yeah, Darnell Wright would have been good at this thing last year, but they, they did bring Trey Flowers, and I thought they should have. That was their defensive player, and then they brought uh, Hooker, and they brought Cedric Tillman. But I thought, man, Darnell Wright would have been good at this. But I was talking to the scout. The scout said, Dave, well, we had nothing on this guy. We did not think that he was going to be even close to a great player. So I wonder if Tennessee's coaches kind of thought the same thing. It would have been three offensive players. It's just me thinking aloud. Then you get to a quarterback, Devin Leary at Kentucky. You right. Probably the only good quarterback Tennessee football will face this year. Well, that seems to say a lot, but I tend to agree with you because the quarterback class in the SEC is just down, down, down. It's awful, and Tennessee doesn't have to play LSU or Arkansas, and those are the two the two best quarterbacks. No, the other thing about this, who's shared all SEC with Joe Milton? Will Rogers, K.J. Jefferson, Jaden Daniels. Guess who Tennessee doesn't have to play this year? Mississippi State, Arkansas, or LSU. So, I mean, they just completely avoid all the good quarterbacks in the SEC. And Devin Leary, look, homeboy threw for 3,500 yards, 35 touchdowns and just five interceptions a couple of years ago. And I know that's in the ACC, but quite honestly, that's still pretty darn impressive. We were talking about him before we were talking about Drake May. And now, by the way, Liam Cohen is back in Kentucky. I keep saying this, that's the most schools that – got new offensive coordinators at Tennessee this year at, in the SEC this year, made bad hires. Kentucky made a good one. Liam Cohen's a dangerous OC. Yeah, you. Um, I like how you say Devin Leary, your homeboy, because a lot of people don't know that Caleb and Devin are distant cousins. <laughs> All right, let's get into the top five. Um, we have uh, Antoine Wells, junior wide receiver at South Carolina, James uh, Dumas Johnson, I don't want to pronounce it the other way. Linebacker, Georgia. And then I'm going to tell you who I would have in the top three. I would – you have Kool-Aid McKinnistry, the defensive back Alabama, Brock Bowers, tight end Georgia, and then Kamari Lasseter, defensive back out of Georgia. I would actually have Kool-Aid number one, me personally, and then I would have Brock Bowers a uh, close number two, not only for the best – SEC players that Tennessee will face this year. But if those guys happen to be side-by-side side in the NFL draft, and let's forget about need, I got into a conversation with this with Tyler Ivins of the Sports Animal. Who are you taking, uh, McKinstry or Bowers? I would take McKinstry in both situations, but it sounds like you would take Bowers as far as better college player. And I'm curious if they were – you know, sitting there at five and six in next year's NFL draft, and you need a defensive back and you need a tight end. Bowers is a transcendental tight end, 
that could be up there higher than usual. But defensive back is probably the safer pick. So compare and contrast those two before we get to why you pick Lassiter. Well, for NFL, you're probably right with McKinstry because defense – look, cornerbacks are harder to come by than tight ends in the NFL. I, I think – I think tight ends are borderline on running backs at this point where there's such a supply of good tight ends where it's more about how well you use them than it is anything else. There's very few Jason Wittens in the NFL. But Brock Bowers, I mean, could be that. So, But I, I, I'm i with you. I'd still go Cooley McKinstry. I, I can't get past what Tennessee did to Alabama last year through the year. And Cooley was starting on that team. And I just I, – I, look, I that's sticking in my head. I know he wasn't guarding, J, guarding Jalen Hyatt in the slot. Forget that. A 15-second drive went to Tennessee's two wideouts. I believe he was on Ramel Keaton for that last catch. And I'm sorry. I, I got to put that on him. All right. So that leads us to today's tough question, and it's brought to you by Craft Treats. Now that we've had the opportunity to go over it, today's tough question is, quite simply, who's the toughest opponent that Tennessee will face? Today's tough question Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. Brought to you by Craft Treats. They have the chill pills that have the CBD derivatives in it that will help with your pet's digestive issues, will help with your pet's arthritis issues or anxiety issues. Go to crafttreats.com and use the simple promo code off the hook to get 20% off, off the hook to get 20% off. I love your list. It's gotten clicked on like a gajillion times, so that's good. But it's Spencer Rattler. It's none of your 10 guys, Caleb. It's Spencer Rattler. I addressed that. I addressed that. I know you did. Share with the listeners who like to consume information and content via audio and video as opposed to reading. We're all different. And it's in your column. But it's still Spencer Rattler. It is Antoine Wells Jr., the receiver. That was the reason Tennessee struggled with South Carolina last year. They couldn't guard Wells. It took South Carolina and, oh my, it, who was their office coordinator last year? Satterfield? Was that his name? My mind yes. just went, just drew a total blink for a second. It took them till November to realize they had a weapon in Wells and they started using him because he torched Tennessee. And then he torched Clemson, and now he's first team All SEC, and it's all because of what he did at the end of the year. It wasn't Rattler? It's that they figured out that they have a guy for Rattler to throw to. Wells is the threat for let, South Carolina. This let year. me tell you why Spencer Rattler is the number one threat. Have you ever been to a cheesecake factory, the restaurant? Yeah, there's way too many things to order at a cheesecake factory. Way too many. It takes thirty minutes to get through the appetizer section. They tried to do too many things with Spencer Rattler this year. I've already been told by a really good source in South Carolina, they're going to dumb this thing down. It's going to be a lot easier. They now know what he does well. Now, if I'm South Carolina fan, I'm looking at Shane Beamer, and I'm saying, why didn't you figure that out earlier in the season? I think it's an indictment of his coaching. I was also told by a really good source in South Carolina that he would love the Oklahoma job. Just saying. Okay, but let's start and that, that that's no joke but let's let's start with how they mishandled spencer rattler and how they handled him towards the end and they handled him a lot better they did things that were a lot more simple so 
instead of going to the Cheesecake Factory where the menu is way too big, they're going to go to the what I like to drop into every once in a while, the taco carts. So we had we, we, we have frequently in my area, we have tornado issues. So the taco carts will show up to feed the workers who come in from all over the country to rebuild homes and, and take down trees and that sort of thing. So there is a taco cart that is on the way from the gym to my house that I can stop in and I can get uh, three tacos for like $8. Well, there's not a lot of choices in those tacos. There's chicken, beef, and shrimp. Bingo. That's what they're going to do with Spencer Rattler. He is going to ride the taco cart to success, or he's going to fail miserably again because he's got the cheesecake menu, cheesecake factory menu in front of him. And I think you'll have the taco cart menu. That's why he's number one. Hit like and subscribe. Analysis. A, there's a gigantic flaw in your argument. You just can't get analysis like that. We're talking food. We're talking lunch. Click like and subscribe. I'll give you your chance, but I'm 100% right. But here you go. Caleb, what is your what is your take on that? Taco cart. Taco cart rattler. South Travis, Carolina's. Well. Travis, give me a, a little bit of credit. That That is a pretty good analogy. He had the Cheesecake Factory initially, and it was too much for the entire offense to handle. They're going to dumb it down. That's what they did against uh, Tennessee and Clemson. Or it's like, or it's like, because I, we, Jairu and I went there last week during SEC media days. It's like raising canes. You can only order chicken, basically. But I see yeah. your point. All right, here's the flaw. They brought in Dowell Gaines as offensive coordinator, and guess what? I have the unique distinction of being a Titans fan and having been tortured by his stupidity. This is a guy that chose not to bring in Peyton Manning in 2012 because he felt Jake Locker could pick up complexities as quickly as Peyton Manning could. And then he opened up the offense for Jake Locker when he had Chris Johnson as his running back instead of simplifying it. And Jake Locker was a disaster. And that's what's going to happen with South Carolina this year because Dowell Gaines thinks everybody can handle the most complex. It's going to be like, it's going to be like how Randy Sanders thought Eric Gaines could just handle everything Peyton Manning could in 2005 and threw the entire playbook at him. That's what last year was to Spencer Rattler to me. I think it's going to be different this year. And and if I'm wrong, if they throw everything at, at him, then everything I said is moot. Well, you, are, you are probably like right. You are probably right about Rattler, but they did not hire the offensive coordinator who would do that. They hired an offensive coordinator who is dumb as a box of rocks and thinks everybody <laughs> around him can handle anything. And so, I mean... It's it's dumb as a box of rocks and go kick rocks are two of my favorite sayings. And I'm sorry, I I, I I know I need to dial back, but I, I, I take it back. I take my feelings on Legains personally because he was so bad as the Titans OC, so transcendently, horrifically bad. Okay, here's why I am madder than darn it if I'm Bruce Pearl today at the end of July, when I'm about to start having my three-on-three workouts and football takes center stage. So t- Jim Harbaugh gets a four-game suspension for lying to the NCAA. Bruce Pearl, essentially, his firing was forced, and he got a three-year show cause that completely put his career on hold. So... Jim Harbaugh explained to those that don't know how he lied to the NCAA. 
Yes. So Jim Harbaugh lied to the NCAA about a violation, a recruiting violation in 2021. Um, it was a rules violation. It had to deal with recruiting during the COVID dead period. Something that very similar to Bruce Pearl was the most minor violation. And had he just come clean, it wouldn't have been a big deal. But he it's did. Always, it's always the cover up going back to always, Nixon, isn't it? Going back to Nixon. Always the cover up. Cover up. For me, it was, I did not have. Okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but anyway, <laughs> so he, so it's a very minor infraction. He lies to the NCAA. That's it for me. He's fired. Okay. If, if I'm Michigan, you lie to the NCAA, that's your governing body, or you lie to me, you're fired. Same thing with, with players. If you lie to me, you're, 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 you're pretty much gone. Is there a rare exception where you could be like an incredible player and it's a gray area? Yeah. But for the most part, you lie to me, you're gone. Uh, that's always been my, my stance on that. So I have no problem with Bruce Pearl as much as I love him and I had a great relationship with him and I want him to st- I wanted him to stay at UT but he lied to UT on multiple instances. He lied to the NCAA at least once quite possibly twice. That to me is a very fireable offense. So to get a four game suspension is nothing close to putting your career on hold for 3 basically 4 years. He should have um, gotten something uh, even worse, in my opinion, because I think lying is, in these situations, unforgivable. Jim Harbaugh would not be my football coach if I'm the athletic director at Michigan. You just can't lie in these situations, and Tennessee has proven that. They came clean, and they were honest, and the NCAA took it easy on them. You do the opposite And don't think the NCAA is not going to remember this. If Michigan gets in trouble two, three years from now, that might be when they drop the hammer on Michigan. Tennessee's reputation is the exact opposite. It's we're going to help you police ourselves. So if something happens at Tennessee three years from now, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. I'd have fired Jim Harbaugh. He doesn't want to be there anyway, but that's a whole different conversation. Bruce Pearl can be mad right now if he wants to, but when you lie to your to your employer, that is a fireable offense without with cause, without your buyout. That's where I stand on that, Caleb, uh, and and always will. And get your thoughts on that. But I can give you an example when I was in in that position, and uh, I, there were some people questioning my integrity at the, at the time. And I'll be more than happy to tell that story. I don't think I've told it publicly before. But your, your thoughts on lying to a superior in these sorts of situations is fireable, done, end of story. I mean, I, I'm one of those people that weighs the, the success and necessities against the morals, I'm going to be honest. And here's where I say that. I think here's Michigan's conundrum. I don't think they think they can get a much better coach than Jim Carball. And the reason I – I agree with that. And I agree he's a, he's a top 10 coach in the nation. Exactly. So let's think about when these things have happened. One, yes, Tennessee fired Bruce Pearl. A lot of people think Mike Hamilton should have stuck with him for the whole time, even through the show calls. But what people don't understand is he he tried. Remember they had that press conference where he was going to be suspended for six games, and then the NCAA said, hey, 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 I'm going to make a phone call to Mike. Yeah, exactly. And And 
and and also remember Tennessee was under here's here was the real thing. Football's the engine that drives the train. Tennessee was under an NCAA investigation for football violations at that same moment. You can't thumb your nose at the NCAA to save your basketball program when your football program is is on thin ice. That you just can't do that. But there and then and, and, and then another similar situation that happened around that same time. Let, let let's give a comparison. Remember Jim Tressel lying to Ohio State about the yes. covering up the players? Lie. Can't lie. But I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm going to tell you why Ohio State fired Jim Tressel and Michigan didn't fire Jim Harbaugh. Dave, you and I both know Ohio State had a secret deal with Urban Meyer to hire him a year later, and Luke Fickle was undercut that in whole entire season he was coaching Ohio State. He had absolutely no support because he knew that he was going to be – the same way Bill Battle knew he was going to be pushed out midway through 1976 – Luke Vickle knew that he was going to be pushed out no matter what happened because they wanted Urban Meyer and Urban Meyer was undercutting him at every single turn. And that's why they were able to, they were willing to fire Jim Tressel because Urban Meyer was on the open market. This okay. doesn't have an Urban Meyer on the open market right now. Let me share this story with you. I, I know a lot of people don't like journalists and don't like media that they think um, intrinsically that they are uh, maybe disingenuous or maybe even untruthful. When, when in my when my experience, it's been the exact opposite. I know of a person who one time was asked to get a comment from Philip Fulmer. He said Philip Fulmer didn't feel like talking about it because he forgot to ask. That was a that was a lie. And he was drafting his resignation letter the next the next day. And I talked him out of it. But as it comes back to me, let me share a story. So many of you, if you Google me and Inky Johnson, who I love to death. I interviewed him because a person within the program said Tennessee Sports Information Department is not making him available. This is about two and a half weeks after the Air Force injury. He really wants to say thank you to the fans. I'm like, super. All the interviews went through Tennessee Sports Information Department. I'd requested everybody had requested him at the time. So and good morning, Mr. Grindstaff from Wisconsin. So uh, we're talking about how you don't lie uh, to catch you up with the job. So. I go meet with uh, not only the sports editor, but the executive sports editor, the overall editor of the paper. I tell them exactly what happened, Caleb, exactly what happened. Well, Tennessee has a different version of it because they felt bad that their sports information department didn't make Inky available sooner. And then they had every other media member that was mad that they that I got an exclusive with Inky. So I got a call from a publisher the day after they had decided to, spin, to suspend me from the Alabama game. And, um, you know, the news Sentinel had written that I was not in, in the wrong in any shape, form, or fashion uh, later on that week. But I got a call from the publisher. So this is the head of all the editors, Caleb. This is the one you don't want to screw up. And he says, Dave, yeah, I've, I just want to make sure everything you told me is a thousand percent honest and correct. And I said, one million percent everything i told you so at that point and i've always had this fear of being accused of something i didn't do so the tennessee's notion was i caught inky in a parking lot ambushed him not true so i go home later well no we went to a bar my wife and i because it was a very stressful time and after about two bourbon and cokes um my wife looks at me and says did don't you have that on tape and sure enough, I recorded every phone conversation because I can't try transcribe fast enough. And you could hear it ring that he was calling me. Inky was calling me and he said, hey, Dave, how are you? So it was the exact opposite of an ambush. So I sent that to 
basically everybody, the University of Tennessee president, my publisher and everybody just to know that I had not in any shape, form or fashion misled them. And this was set up by an intermediary. The problem was you didn't want to burn the intermediary because he was essentially the source, which Caleb would, would certainly get from a journalistic standpoint. Had I lied at that moment when my publisher says, hey, thousand percent true. If I lied to him at that moment or I lied previously into the investigation into that, I should have been fired on the spot. Boom. No cause. Don't even pay me for the rest of the week. That's how I feel about lying in these situations. I know there are gray areas to some people, but in, in certain situations, there ain't no gray areas. That wasn't a gray area for me in my career. Jim Harbaugh or Bruce Pearl lying to the governing body the SEC or the NCAA or both or your immediate supervisor, the athletic director is absolutely unforgivable. And I love Bruce to death. And if he sees this, Bruce, I love you, but I understand why the university had to do what it had to do. And I will tell you right now that Jim Harbaugh is not my head coach. If I'm at the university of Michigan. I understand that. I mean, I, I totally understand that. And, and theoretically, from a moral perspective, you're right. And Michigan could probably, I mean, even let's take even the moral side out of it. They might be able to save themselves a headache because given the fact that, like you said, Jim Harbaugh is looking to leave every year anyway, I know they don't think they could find a better head coach, but like, do you really want a head coach who has this violation, suspended four games, and you know, you know the second he gets an offer, he's out. He's gone. And... He's gone to the NFL and begged for a job. So I could make a strong pragmatic argument that you're looking for an excuse to move on. Right. Exactly. You should be looking at this as like, holy (laughs) goodness, he just opened this up. I don't have to pay him the buyout. Cruise on out. I don't know who you hire in place of him, but I hate that question. If you're a proud university that has a foundation, you don't say, well, who who can we get? Is that what people said when the Jeremy Pruitt stuff was going down? Well, you happen to go out and make a great hire because you had a great athletic director. I hate that term. Well, who can we get? Well, great. Yes. That's something, but that, that's something maybe, that Kansas should say. Maybe Michigan doesn't have fit in Michigan. Actually, I mean, Kansas made a great hire late too after firing Les Miles. They landed Lance Leipold out of nowhere. Um, but maybe with Michigan, they're having this thought that, Maybe they don't have confidence in themselves as athletic directors because sometimes athletic directors make good hires but got lucky. Rest in peace, Mal Moore. That was the luckiest hire in the world. He Nick Saban just happened to be available, and the boosters gave him all the money in the world to go get Nick Saban. Remember, he wanted Rich Rodriguez first, and he also wanted Greg Schiano first, and he couldn't get either of them. And then he – Yeah, I think he was – I always wondered about that. Was did he really want them, or did he? He did make overtures. Did he make overtures because he didn't think he could get Nick Saban? That's that's something I'd like to, you know. Speak the boosters in. basically told Mal Moore, "Come back with Nick Saban, or don't come back." <laughs> that's that's basically believe, what they. T- <laughs> right, I do believe that happened at the end. But did he really make a run? I think he did make a run at uh, Rodriguez. I'm not sure that he made a real run at Shiano. You're probably right. Maybe Shiano was a negotiating le- tactic. Rodriguez used Alabama to negotiate a better deal with West Virginia and then bolted West Virginia for Michigan two years later, ironically, since we're talking about Michigan. But sometimes you hit, you know, there's not 
I think Danny White is one of the few athletic directors where there's actually some genius in his hiring. There's not, there's not a lot of genius in hiring Nick Saban if he's on the market or Urban Meyer. There's not – the same way with Jerry West is considered a great GM in the NBA. There's not a lot of genius in signing Shaq. There's genius in drafting Kobe. There's no genius in signing Shaq. He wants to go to L.A. You open up the checkbook for Shaq in his pride. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, why the new – NIL rules could certainly affect Tennessee, and I believe they will. But on the flip side, why this whole NIL thing isn't going to get resolved anytime soon, and the Vols are going to benefit greatly, greatly off that. I'm going to tell you why right after this. Two minutes, Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. family has been creating jewelry since 1986, each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Dare to compare. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get caught, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. All right, Caleb, talk to me, Goose. You said in our 345 production meeting that you thought that the new NIL proposed legislation is not great. Oh, I don't think it's just not great. Well, I think we didn't do this. We purposefully didn't do it during the meeting. Uh, so we we'll wanted to do it in the parking lot. 
Uh, we didn't want to do it in the parking lot, as uh, John Pennington used to always say before he would show the sports source on WATE. Um, but the NIL proposed legislation is out. I want you to explain this to me as you see it, why it's not good. And I'm going to tell you why Tennessee fans should celebrate the current state of NIL. So you go first, and then I'm going to tell you exactly why Tennessee, the University of Tennessee, and a few other schools, not many, a handful, a few other schools should celebrate the way this NIL proposed legislation movement is unfolding. You go ahead, sir. Okay, so this NIL bill is not about regulating NIL to figure out how to address student athletes, whether or not they're considered employees in California or independent contractors in Tennessee, because that's something to address. This bill specifically is about nothing more than limiting what athletes can do for themselves, because it it establishes a national, it says, let's establish a national standard and preserve Title IX funding. Okay, how? That's a requirement in the bill, but how do you do that? How do you actually go about doing that with NIL if you have a place like California calling them employees? They don't say that. Here's what they do say specifically. Athletes can't make money off endorsements for things like alcohol. Well, if they're 21, why can't they? Who cares if they're 21? And they, Neyland, Neyland Stadium sells alcohol now. And you're telling me a 21-year-old on the team can't make an endorsement with a beer company for that? Uh, uh, I, would, I would agree with that. I do know that they can't because I've tried. Um, so okay, but here's I do, another one. No, but I do Wait. agree with what you said. I have no problem. Yeah, with, and, and, now, what about before I get you sidetracked? What about gambling? Because I've asked that I, question before too. I am not seeing anything related with NIL and gambling right now. Um, well, they're I, not going to allow that. I can go ahead and tell you. Yeah, they probably won't. And, they, and I think there's already existing laws with gambling, so it doesn't really have to be addressed as much. But the other one, and this is a big one. The transfer portal. Now, please tell me, Dave, what the transfer portal has to do with NIL. I mean, this is why it's BS. They're, they're, they are using they are using the we need national standards for NIL to crack down on players' rights because they want and to who's moderate. The, who's, the, who's the the? I want to make sure we get this straight. Who are the actual legislators that are proposing this? So the two. So the two crafters are. Democratic Senator Joe Manchin and Republican Senator Tommy Tuberville, former Auburn coach. And by the way, okay, so, is gonna... okay, let's, let's, let's look at those two guys for a second. So Tommy Tuberville is getting a call from Nick Saban because he doesn't like transfer portal nor NIL. So that's mm-hmm. why he's going to back it. Okay. And who was Joe the other Manchin one? And Nick Saban, Joe Manchin and Nick Saban were best friends as kids. Okay. Thank you. So this is Nick Saban's bill. This is Nick Saban pulling. This is Nick Saban pulling strings. Yes, this is Saban's bill. And mainstream media is going to love it because mainstream media doesn't look at the quality of bills. They're, if it's bipartisan, they love it. They don't even care about what's in it. They're like, oh, bipartisanship. We love bipartisanship. And that's what they're going to do with this. Um, and so they are going to moderate the transfer portal by requiring student athletes to complete their first three years of academic eligibility before transferring without a penalty. Now, are you kidding me? This is just bringing back the old rules. They are putting their own feelings on players having too much power into this bill that has nothing to do with creating a national standard for NIL. And it's a terrible bill bill because of it. They're just trying to transfer power and money back from the players into the hands of coaches and administrators. That's all they want to do. I agree. And Tennessee is in a great spot. Why? Because none of this is going to happen. Not anytime soon. 
And you and I talked about it, and I talked about it with someone else at SEC Media Days. It may have been Greg Sankey, but I'm like, uh, uh, Commissioner, I mean, I've got a lot. It was Greg Sankey. I was like, well, this just in. Um, Congress has a lot going on with an economy, and there's this Ukraine thing, and where do you possibly fall on the list? And as nice as he could say it, he was not real high. (laughs) You know, not, not... not real high right now. Um, and there are a lot of other things that are going to be higher on the list. So this actually got uncovered. And I think we are the the only ones that talked about this a year ago in off the hook sports. I asked Greg Sankey, I said, what kind of time frame are you looking at? And he goes, well, you got the midterm elections coming up. Well, I mean, that that was last year. Okay. And then he said, you have the presidential elections coming up. Well, that's 2024. None of this is getting passed anytime soon. None of this is going to happen anytime soon. If you like to sit back and wait and read about proposals, then fine. We can all do that and we can address what's fair and what's not. But the fact is nothing is going to change anytime soon. And as long as it doesn't, then Tennessee's in the catbird seat. Let's say something goes wrong with Spire, which I'm not implying it will be. Somebody else will fill that void. The only thing that could affect what Tennessee is doing right now in NIL is if Congress puts down these type of laws, which based off the ones you gave me sound very illegal. And based off the timeline, Josh Heupel could win a Super Bowl for the Rams by the time this stuff gets passed, he could he could be the only the third coach ever to win a na- fourth coach to win a national championship and a Super Bowl. I mean, this is not going to happen within three, four, or possibly even five years. So if I'm Tennessee, I'm like, yay, like the Joker. Sometimes you just want to sit back and watch the world burn. You love anarchy. You love chaos. Hope this stuff just goes on for the rest of the 2020s because right now you're in front of the game and the game is being reworked. But right now you're in front of it. So let it be reworked. You're not facing any possible penalties because you're not breaking any laws unless they do something incredibly stupid, which I don't think Josh Heupel and the Spire Group would do. Keep rolling, brother. If you're a Tennessee fan, every time you hear new proposed legislation for NIL, that means somebody else like uh, Tommy Tuberville or Nick Saban's best childhood friend is trying to make a name for themselves, and it really means nothing. Until you see Greg Sankey sitting in a congressional hearing, and I'm sorry, the Major League Baseball steroid issue was bigger than this, and it took months for them to get in there. Until you see Greg Sankey and other commissioners in a congressional hearing, this ain't going anywhere. Anywhere. And also, isn't there kind of a technically a free speech issue? Because we've now, based on Supreme Court rulings in the past, you can't limit advertisements, for instance, if it violates the First Amendment. Well, if you're going to limit advertisements with players, there's kind of a First Amendment violation there at that point. And so there's so many issues that they can't figure out. And I... I got it. Here's my here's my theory on this, Dave. I'm a follow the money type of guy. I believe a lot of boosters 
lot of boosters are billionaires. They are the people that fund Congress. Let's be honest. Congress is run by the billionaire class who funds these politicians. They make all the rules and they use the politicians as a vessel to do it. I think a lot of billionaires want to support their program, but they don't want to get into an arms race with other programs. And Tennessee is out ahead of the arms race. You're right. Tennessee's billionaires, they will throw any money they can to win a game on Saturday. They don't care. And- I can guarantee you that if if Alabama loses Nick Saban, if he retires, Alabama doesn't want to get in the NIL race. They don't really have to right now. Uh, they can pay their players once they show up and promise them that, hey, you're tripping over nickels to get millions, which is John Calipari saying, and that means they'll get you best prepared for the NFL. So that's still a stronger argument than short-term cash for anybody that has any sense. So you're still going to get some money at Alabama, but you're probably not going to be in a Nico situation where you get family generational changing money unless you've proven yourself which I think most people would agree is a better way to go. But can you legislate that? H-E to the double L, no. Well, and that's the thing. These boosters want this legislation to save themselves from themselves. The same way, you know, this in the NFL, the only reason a hard cap exists is to protect the owners from themselves. They want to make sure that they're not stuck making a stupid decision. It's the same thing with this NIL. The boosters want to be protected from themselves because they don't want to have to get into an arms race with Spire Sports, or that whatever the one in my, is in Miami. And I say, if you don't want to get into an arms race, tough break. Get into an arms race or watch your program fall behind. That's the way I look at it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to text, uh, since we're done here, I'm going to text Heath Schuler and get, get him to join us. And not only was he a great quarterback, he was a uh, a senator that in, in my, well, I guess he was a congressman, right? So he was a congressman. That in my opinion cared about the truth more than being aligned with a side. So I bet he could give us some really good insights. So I'm going to text him. So expect Heath Schuler on the show before terribly long. I don't want to tease him before he's booked, but uh, he's pretty good about getting back. And uh, I love doing uh, broadcasting with Heath. So we'll just bump Caleb that day. I'm joking. Caleb and I will talk to Heath. And Caleb knows more about politics. So we'll provide you a little bit of insight. And uh, when any legislation about the NIL may be passed. Have a fantastic day, everyone, whether it be morning, afternoon, middle of the night, whenever you're watching. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker with you each and every morning. Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button because 10 a.m. weekdays, we've got some exciting stuff about some game day coverage that might be coming up. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.